workers will be dismissed to their class this morning. Appreciate them. If you have your Bible and want to read with us, we're going to be reading out of the book of Joshua, chapter number 14, beginning with verse number 6. Joshua 14, beginning with verse number 6. We'll jump over into chapter 15 and read verses 13 and 14 from there. Joshua 14, beginning with verse 6, and then over into chapter 15, beginning with verse 13. To say this morning, it's good to have all of you in service with us. I do see a few visitors. I want to say we're glad to have you with us. Good to see Sister Sheila back, praying for her back. Appreciate God's touch upon her. If you're visiting with us, we're thrilled to have you. Give you an invitation to come back, be in service with us. We have service on uh, Sunday evenings at 5, Wednesday night at 6.30. We welcome you to join us for all of our services. I knew there was one prayer request. I forgot, Brother Corey is preaching for Sister Helen Stewart this morning. She had to have uh, gallbladder surgery yesterday. So she's recovering from that. So remember, Sister Helen, Stewart, in your prayers when you pray as well. Joshua chapter 14, beginning with verse number 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God concerning me and thee, in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again, as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day, as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now. For war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. The name of Hebron before was Kirjatherbah, which Araba or, or Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Then 
right over in chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. And under Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shinshai, and Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. I want to preach and title our message just a very simple title, looking at a great example. Caleb, a lesson in faithfulness. Caleb, a lesson in faithfulness. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Speak to our heart by your spirit through the word. Anoint the preaching, the hearing, and the receiving of the word of God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to us this morning. God, I don't want to be here only, deceiving myself. God, touch me this morning, quicken me that I'll be a doer of the Word. I'll walk in obedience. God, that my testimony will be that I was faithful, just as Caleb was. Meet us in this altar, Lord. There's a lot of uh, uh, prayers that need to be answered, a lot of Believers that need to be touched, some that need miracles this morning. Maybe there's somebody here that needs to be saved or healed or filled. Do it all for your great name's sake. God, we praise you right now in advance for it. We ask it in Christ's name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? Amen. If you notice in our text, Caleb's father was Jephunneh. And the Bible said that he was a Kenazite. He was a Gentile. He was a Gentile proselyte to the Hebrew people, to the Jewish faith, to he come to believe in the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob. He had his son, Caleb, while dwelling. Caleb was not born in Gentile land, but was born among the Jews, counted himself as one of them, but his heritage was that of a Gentile through his father. So in that regard, God had to adopt him or graft him into the vine. You and I can relate well with this as we are Gentiles who have been adopted. The Bible said with the spirit of adoption whereby we are able to cry, Abba, Father. So though his he was disadvantaged by his nativity. He went on to do great things by God. So can you and I. He become a possessor of what Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24 said that Caleb had another spirit. And uh, I, I, I jotted that down in my notes in Numbers 14 and 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and it followed me fully or holy, him will I bring into the land wherein he went. His seed shall possess it. Is that the story of your life? Has God been able to take note of you and be able to say that you are his servant because you have another spirit than what the people in this world have and that you have made a commitment or shown him the desire to wholly or fully Follow him and serve him. Amen. I want that to be my testimony. Have you received 
this spirit of adoption and become a fellow citizen with the saints and the members of the household of God. In Ephesians 2 and 19, now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. That's what they would have been had they not believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what you and I would be had we not put our faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But now that we have believed in Christ, he said, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of faith. Amen. Caleb's name literally means all heart or courageous. It takes heart. It takes courage. It takes faith to live for God. Let's look at this man of God's life, this life of faithfulness, and note that number one, Caleb knew a surrendered life. He knew what it was to have a surrendered life. In verse number eight, by his own account, in our text in chapter 14, he said, I wholly followed the Lord my God. I wholly followed the Lord my God. What did Jesus say that the first and the greatest commandment was listed in the law of Moses? He said it was thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind. That was the words of Jesus Christ. And listen again to Caleb's word. I wholly followed the Lord my God. Notice he he called God his Lord. The Lord. If he is your Lord, then you have surrendered all rights to your life unto him. Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Your life must be wholly surrendered to God. Notice he said, I wholly followed the Lord. That shows his lordship. And then he makes it personal. The Lord, my God. Have you associated your life with the Lord Jesus. He is the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But is He your Savior? Have you put your faith in Him? Have you made Him your testimony? I am a Christian. You know, a lot of people say that, but then He's not Lord of their life. He is the Lord, my God. Amen. As He has commanded, I will obey. Given this new spirit, the the, the Lord himself said that Caleb had another spirit given to him by the Lord himself. Caleb despised the half-heartedness of his brethren. They served God as long as it was convenient. As long as there was a good report, then they were all about following God. But as soon as they come to great, walled city as long as they seen men who in their estimation were giants that made them feel like grasshoppers then they said whoa Jack we're going back hey we can't do this 
God didn't know what he was talking about when he told us we were going to possess this land. First city we came to, great wall, fenced city. Giants live behind it. We're like grasshoppers. There's no way we can take this land. Caleb despised that testimony. It was either God's best as far as he's concerned or nothing at all. God said we could take the land. I want the land. God said I could have this mountain. I'm taking this mountain. God said we could do it. I'm going to do it. Hallelujah. You know, apart from Christ, we can't do anything. When we see the fortified uh, 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 cities, so to speak, uh, the promises of God are in him, yes, and also in him, amen. But it does not mean that Satan won't build a wall between you and the promise. We have the promises of God in the word of God, but it doesn't mean as you set out to walk with God that Satan won't build a wall between you and it. He'll try to stop you. He'll try to hinder you. He'll try to cause you to be faithless. But listen, Caleb knew. He knew God. And he knew God's promises were to the child of God, yes, and amen. He said if God promised us the land, then God will give us the land. I can almost hear Caleb's encouraging words to some of those men say, Hey, I wasn't raised over in Egypt like you guys were. My father was a Kenazite. I'm a Gentile. I don't have the godly heritage you do. But look at God. After sojourning for 400 years in Egypt, God brought you out by a strong hand. God defeated the armies of Pharaoh. God opened up the Red Sea and let you cross on dry land. Think about that miracle. Two to six million Jews, commentary says, most likely a path two miles wide. The sea stood upon a heap. In numbers, it said the seas were congealed. They were frozen walls of water on either side in desert land. And the children of Israel walked across on dry land. And when they got across to the other side and seen that Pharaoh was in hot pursuit, Moses again stretched the rod and the sea swallowed them up. They, they, they ate manna in the wilderness. Their clothes, they never had to have a new set of clothes because the clothes never wore out. They never bought a new pair of shoes, not in 40 years, because the shoes on their feet never wore out. And they sojourned in a wilderness, in a desert place, in a solitary place, and they never dug the earth's well because a rock followed them everywhere they went, and it issued out water, enough water to give drink to two to six million Jews and their cattle and their herds. It was a river. A river flowed out of a rock. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking around in the wilderness for 40 years and everywhere I go a rock follows me and a river is flowing out of that rock every day, I'm going to have some faith in God. Every day I open my tent flap 
there's new bread on the ground and I don't ever have to go hungry. I ought to have some faith in God. But here it is, the first walled city they come to and say, Woo, let's go back to Egypt. We can't live here. Caleb's almost saying, listen to yourself. The same God that brought you out of Egypt is going to bring you in. Moses told him before he died. He said, God brought you out that he might bring you in. I want to tell you, God brought you out of sin that he might bring you into his promise, into his victory, into his power. Amen. That's why he brought you out and left you here so he could bring you in to this good land. Caleb had wholly surrendered to the Lord. He was in it, lock, stock, and barrel. Look, also there was an affirmation of his surrender. Caleb told them, you know, if you're going to serve God, you need to tell somebody. You need to tell somebody that you're serving God. Why do you live such a strange life? I'm serving the Lord Jesus. Why do you folk go to church all the time? Because that's what Christians do. I'm serving the Lord wholeheartedly. Caleb could say, I wholly followed the Lord my God. He wasn't being prideful. He wasn't boasting. But he was letting them know why I am not going back to Egypt. I am wholly following the Lord my God. I can't go back. There's nothing to go back to. I would rather die than go back. Amen. That's, well, that's what he was testifying. A moment had come in his life when he handed his life to the Lord without reservation, holy. I'm yours, Lord. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'm yours. We can never be satisfied with just an intellectual awareness of how we should live, God expects us to follow through and live it out, walk it out in obedience. Not only his testimony, but there was the witness of his surrender through others. Moses, who the Bible calls the friend of God, said of Caleb in verse number 9 of chapter 14, you have wholly followed the Lord my God. The Bible said in the book of Acts chapter 7 and verse 22 that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Some scholars have researched says that there was evidence that Moses was probably the best trained man in all of Egypt in the ways of their warfare, as far as their education, knowledge, words, wisdom. He was the best trained man academically, militarily, and spiritually. For 40 years, he had been under the discipline of God, knew how to discern the nature of reality. So to have Moses confirm that Caleb was wholly following the Lord, was an important note to hear. Not only did Caleb say of himself, I have wholly followed the Lord. There was nobody those Israelites trusted more than Moses because God had used him to bring them out 
They had seen him stretch his rod across the water. and The water parted. They weren't following just any man. They were following Moses, the man of God. Moses came down off the mount. They said, you speak to us. Whatever God tells you to tell us, we'll do it. They knew that Moses was a man of God. And to have Moses say of Caleb, God's going to give you this mountain when he brings the children of Israel into the land because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. It's one thing for you to testify of yourself, I'm going to be faithful to God or I have been faithful to God. But does those that work with you, does those that live with you, to the, do those that call themselves your friend, would they tell others that you have wholly followed the Lord your God? Would they be able to say you're faithful? You know, there's a lot of people that I call my friends that are not Christians. They wouldn't say I'm their buddy, but they would say I'm their friend. And there's invites that I don't get on Sundays. Why? Because they know I'm not going. Why? They know I'm going to be in the house of God. There's invites I don't get on Wednesdays. Why? They know I'm not going. They know where I'll be in the house of God. If you were to ask them, is he a Christian? They'd say, believe he is. Because he's in the house of God. He's witnessing to us testifying of the Lord he's serving God with his whole heart I want people to see my faith in God I want people to know I am a Christian are you ashamed to pray in the school I'm not are you ashamed to pray in the restaurant I'm not are you ashamed to pray when your family gathers for holidays and get togethers I'm not There was also an acclamation of his surrender. God, not only did Moses testify that he had wholly followed the Lord, but God testified of it. In Numbers 14 and 24, God said, Caleb has followed me fully. What an accolade for a man to receive the divine commendation. The fact of the matter is that Caleb was a truly surrendered man. He did not serve God with divided heart or with divided loyalties. He knew what it was to surrender his whole person and, and follow the command of the Apostle Paul in Romans 12 and 2 to present your body a living sacrifice. Holy. Holy. W H O-L-L-Y present your body a living sacrifice that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God amen what a challenge that is in this contemporary age that you and I live in in an hour where commitments have become dependent upon circumstances well I'll commit if no ifs. I'm committed. Got one amen and that's right. 
in an hour when commitments are dependent upon circumstances. Either you're committed or you're not. And if you're committed, you put other things off. You know, there was a time in America, in the, in the church, uh, when our lives revolved around the church. Now, the church revolves around our lives. You just saying that preacher because preaching's your job. You have it has to be your life. No, no. Number one, it's not a job; it's a call. And number two, I was a Christian man before I was ever a preacher man. Amen. I've found out since then that I would have never been called to be a preacher man had I not first followed the Lord as a Christian man. Amen. In an hour where commitment is dependent upon circumstances and convictions have become cloudy. A lot of people don't know what we believe because our convictions change so often. They kind of change with the circumstances too. Depends on who I'm with. Depends on where I'm at. Depends on what's going on. Ouch. But it's the truth. We need to re-examine our own testimony. Are we wholly following the Lord? Have we wholly surrendered our heart and life to God? Or is it dependent upon situation or circumstance? Secondly, not only did Caleb know a surrendered life, Caleb knew a spared life. He could say, the Lord has kept me alive. That's what he said in verse number 10. The Lord has kept me alive. I believe in other words, he was saying, the Lord has saved me alive. I'm here today because God has kept me. God has spared me. God has saved me. I was on my way to hell, but this morning I'm alive. Saved by his grace. While these words refer primarily to his longevity, the fact that he was 85 years old and still living, I know that's what he was talking about. They certainly can't be limited to just his physical life. Caleb was a man that never stopped growing. Think about this. Instead of witnessing his gradual decline, the next 45 years only served to increase his stature and enhance his testimony. The physical was more than matched by the spiritual. In keeping him alive, God spared him from, from three destructive forces that will afflict any man or woman who is not wholly surrendered to the Lord. You say, what are these destructive forces? That will come upon any man or any woman who's not wholly surrendered to the Lord. God spared Caleb from discouragement. Have you ever been discouraged, Brother Eddie? Absolutely. Have you ever been so discouraged that you wanted to quit? Absolutely not. That's the type of discouragement I'm talking about. When other men say we can't do it, we won't do it, we're going back to Egypt. Caleb said, we can do it, we will do it, 
I'm going to inherit the promise. Caleb was spared from discouragement. You want to say it in our contemporary terms, he was spared from backsliding. In verse number 8, he said in chapter 14, My brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. While the children of Israel grew discouraged when they approached the walled cities of Canaan, Caleb and Joshua were able to take a cheerful view of the situation. Why? Because they were sold out. You look at a walled, fenced city. You say, I can't do that. You see the giants in the land. I can't do that. You see promises that God has given you. I can't do that. You see uh, maybe a cause placed upon your life. I can't do that. But hear the Apostle Paul. I can do all things through Christ uh, which strengtheneth me. How could he say that? He said, I've sold out to God. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So whereas I can't, he can. I can't do anything in my own strength, but I can do all things through Christ. Amen. The spiritual was more than matched, or, or, or the physical was more than matched by his spiritual. He was spared from discouragement. It's one of the most crucial tests for young people. They naturally crave popularity. It's agonizing to be the only one to go the right course when the majority is going the wrong way. Nobody wants to stick out like a sore thumb. Nobody wants to be laughed at, made fun of, Everybody else is doing it. Men who can overcome discouragement are priceless in our generation. Amen. What's the secret to being an overcomer? Amen. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? Even he that believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How do I overcome? You have to wholly surrender to God. I'm in it, no matter what. Caleb was also not only spared from discouragement, he was spared from disbelief or unbelief. Concerning the rest of the children of Israel, we read in Hebrews 3 and 19, they could not enter in, that is, into the land of promise. Why? Because of their unbelief. The only reason they didn't inherit the promise is they didn't believe God could give them the land. You want to know the only reason I can't live for God is because I don't believe God is God enough to give me victory to stand. Somebody said a couple of months ago, you want to know the only reason we're not having revival? We're content to live without revival. The only reason... We can't or we haven't is because we don't believe God can or God will. Caleb was spared from unbelief. They could not enter in because of their unbelief. Here's a man whose faith laughed 
at impossibilities. He cried this, it shall be done. His attitude was a positive one. In Numbers 13 and 30, he told the children of Israel, we are well able to take the land. We are well able to overcome those giants. We are well able to do what God told us we could do. Hallelujah. Caleb was spared not only from discouragement and disbelief, he was also spared from death. Numbers 14, verse 38, But Joshua and Caleb remained alive of, of the men who went to spy out the land. You know where the ten men that said we can't were? They were carcasses, dead, in the wilderness. They didn't inherit the land. Why? Their unbelief. You want to know the only two spies that went in and inherited the land? Joshua and Caleb. Why? Because they believed God and they wholly followed God. You want to go to heaven? Do you want to make the rapture? Do you want the victory? Do you want peace? Do you want joy? Do you want your family saved? Do you want to inherit the promises of God? You have to wholly follow God. You have to believe Him in every situation and in every circumstance. I feel the Lord this morning, but I'm telling you, I feel, I feel the devil hates what I'm preaching. I know God's dealing with your heart this morning. Here's a time. You had a testimony of victory. You were, you, you were a, a spiritual giant. You walked with God, an example for others to look up to and follow. What happened? Somewhere in our lives, if we stop or cease to follow God wholeheartedly, we begin to lose out. It's not enough to leave Egypt. I've got to enter in to Canaan. It ain't just enough that I don't cuss, smoke, dip, or chew. It ain't just enough that I'm not where I used to be. I've got to enter in all along the way. I've bypassed a million exits along this uh, highway for God walking through the wilderness. There's a lot of exit ramps where you don't have to walk with God, where you don't have to live at his close, where you don't have to take such a stance for God. I'm on my way to a city whose builder and maker is the Lord. This world is not my home. I'm still a stranger and a pilgrim. I'm not making a tent in the wilderness. I have yet to inherit the promise. Abraham while he lived and sojourned in the land of promise, the Bible said he lived like he was a stranger for he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. Abraham, you're living the dream. You're in Canaan. You've inherited the promise. This is where God wants his people to be. This is not my home. This world, don't do it for me. Thanks be to God. I, I've experienced the blessings, the joy, the goodness of God, but this world don't do it for me. This is not my heaven. I'm not home yet. Caleb was spared from death. He was still alive. Brother Eddie, why haven't you backslid? Why haven't you run off with another woman? Why haven't you let that effeminate spirit take hold of your life? That's invading pulpits across America.
Why haven't you backed down? Why haven't you changed your views on what the Bible has to say? Because I've made a commitment. It was Jephthah in the Old Testament that said, he said, whatever I see, the first thing my eyes behold, God had gave them victory in the battle. Whatever I see when I get home, the first thing I behold, I'm going to offer it unto God as a sacrifice. And when he got home, his baby girl ran out of the house to greet him. And he said, oh, my God. She said, what is it, Dad? And he told her what he had vowed unto the Lord. She cried tears and said, it's all right, Dad. I understand you have to do what you've told God you would do. No doubt his wife and his family and his friends said, listen, listen. God knew you was talking about a cow. God knew you was talking about a sheep. God knew you was talking about a, a, a turtle dove or a pigeon. He don't expect you to give your daughter to him as a sacrifice, not as a burnt offering and sacrifice, but as uh, Hannah lent Samuel unto the Lord, uh, cried tears and left him in the house of God. Uh, he said, you're never going to know a husband. You're never going to give me grandchildren. I ain't going to get to see and spend time with you like I used to. You're going to serve God in the temple. You know what his answer was to them? I've opened my mouth and I cannot go back. What would people say if what I've preached for over 20 years, if now I decided to go with the current trend of the way the rest of the world is going, they would scratch their head and say, what happened to Brother Eddie? And they would have a right to. I want to tell you, Caleb and Joshua were spared from death because they wholly followed the Lord. Hallelujah. You want to be spared from compromise? Uh, 40, 50 years later, you still want to be happily married? Uh, 40, 50 years later, you want to be visiting grandchildren that are called to preach and are serving God? Uh, don't compromise. Stay with God. Walk with God. Be full of the Holy Ghost. I know the devil don't like it, but it's the true victory. Victory belongs to the child of God. Caleb knew a strong life. In chapter 14, verse 11, he said, I am as strong this day. This will make a mommy want to shout. I am as strong this day as I was on the day that Moses sent me. Woo, hallelujah to God. I'm glad he said that. That gives me confidence that if Jesus tarries his coming, he said, I'm as strong at 85 years old as I was when I was 40 years old. Ooh, hallelujah. Brother Calvin, that gives hope to us old men. <laughs> hallelujah. I'm as strong as an old man as I was as a young man. You can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Chapter 15, verse 14, we read that Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak. The word Anak means giant. <laughs> Caleb was a giant killer at 85 years old. Glory to God. Caleb was a giant killer at 35 years old. And if you go on and read his story, Caleb only had daughters. He didn't have any sons uh, God promised him the mountain and his seed. He said, me and my girls are giant killers. 
Woo, hallelujah. Young ladies, do you hear that? He said, me and my girls are giant killers. Who in their right mind would take on a, a band of giants uh, with nothing but a group of women. A man of God would. He had put in them girls uh, what God has promised. Uh, he's able to bring it to pass. Uh, and we'll go take that mountain. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. He's a giant killer. There's a giant of lustful passions. First John 2 and 16 calls it the lust of the flesh. Word lust signifies strong desire, while the flesh stands for the carnal nature of fallen man, uncontrolled desires, uncontrolled passions. The Bible said, a man that hath no control over his own spirits like a city that hath no walls. The devil just comes and goes when he pleases. Amen. But they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. There have been some giants in my life this week that died at the altar of prayer. And if you've prayed this week, you've killed the giant of lustful passion. Then there's the giant of lustful pleasure. 1 John 2 and 16 calls it the lust of the eye, a form, a special form of gratification. You've never lived in a, in a world that is so built, designed, and patterned to draw your eye, your, your, your attention, and your mind to lustful gratification. These little palm-held computers called smartphones, you type in the wrong address, it'll, it'll let your eyes behold things that'll damn your soul. Hello. That laptop at home, if you let your eyes wander in the wrong places, it'll damn your soul. We live in Baldwin County, the, the home of Gulf Shores, a place where people are notorious for not wearing much clothing. If you let your eyes wander in the wrong way, it'll damn your soul to hell. Hello. <laughs> Brother Eddie, you sure have a bigger church if you wouldn't talk about that stuff in Baldwin County. Amen. I'm just warning you. You hear me, young people. Amen. Keep your eyes. Amen. The Bible said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me. Want to know what your mind is constantly thinking about? What you're constantly looking at? You will become what you constantly behold. You know, if you're always, uh, always watching the ball game, uh, you're always thinking about the ball game, uh, and your hero's going to be the ball player. If your eyes are in that book, uh, if your mind is stayed upon the word, uh, your hero will be the Apostle Paul. Somewhere along the way, you'll learn it wasn't Paul, but it was Christ in Paul. And then you'll pattern your life to be like Jesus. Who's your hero? Who do you want to be like? Uh, is it a preacher or is it some carnal Hollywood character? Is it some carnal ball player? Who is your hero? I can tell you, I can tell you that's where. Your eyes have been watching. That's where your mind has been stayed upon. There's the giant of lustful power. That's the pride of life in 1 John 2 and 16. More literally, literally the vain glory of this life. Power always leads to corruption. Absolute power will corrupt absolutely. 
You look at what's in Washington. Some of the most corrupt men and women on the planet. What made them that way? A little peon power. I like what Jesus told the, the, the Caesar, Augustus. He said, you've got no power except that that my Father has given you. I'm still reminded that I don't care what the Supreme Court passes. I don't care what Mr. Obama signs in as an executive order and what he says is the law of the land. They've got no power except the power that God has given them. Amen. Using them to race this nation along with this world headlong into the great tribulation. I'm going to abide under the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Caleb was able to deal with this giant. Indeed, he was more than a match for all three. Though the three sons of Anak were great in size, he was greater in spirit. Though they had faces like lions, they had hearts. The Bible said their hearts feared because they had heard of the great things that God had done. You know why the devil roars in your face? When you pray and God touches your heart and you make a commitment to God, he puts a wall in front of you and roars. With every step you take toward the promise, with every step you take as you walk with God, the Bible said that the devil trembles at the very, that not only does he believe in Christ, but trembles at the mention of his name. Hallelujah to God. There are times when I pray that I just speak his name, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hell knows he can't stop you. Hell knows he can't defeat you. Hell knows he's already defeated if you've decided to walk with God. Last, I'm closing, curse if you'll come help me. Caleb knew a satisfied life. Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Chapter 14, verse 13. Then the land had rest from war. Praise God. Here's an ingredient of a satisfied life. God's purpose for every child of God is that he or she might be fulfilled. You know God wants you to be fulfilled. He wants you to have joy. Jesus said these things have I spoken unto you that you might have joy and that your joy might remain. It's not for me. It's not Jesus plus. It's Jesus. I found out you can live in a mud hut with a grass thatched roof in Africa and smile from ear to ear because you've got Jesus. Hallelujah. I said live in a mud hut with a grass thatched roof and smile from ear to ear because you've got Jesus. You don't have to live in the best house. You don't have to drive the best car. So that's easy for you to say, Brother Eddie, look, you live in a nice home. You drive a nice car. It is. That's why I think it's important. It's important to go on the mission field. It's important to go out there and see that if all that stuff gets stripped away from you, you don't have to go into depression. If all you had was a shade tree and the Holy Ghost, 
you'd have the victory. Hallelujah. Joshua blessed him. Gave Hebron to Caleb for an inheritance and to his seed after him. Caleb enjoyed the satisfaction of spiritual prosperity. God blessed him. I want to ask you, is your testimony a blessed one today? Are you discouraged? Do you feel de de defeated? Do you feel dissatisfied? Are the tears of joy stream down your face? People say, why are you crying? Because God has blessed me. God has blessed me. Caleb enjoyed the satisfaction of spiritual possession. God gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. This inheritance had been promised to him 45 years earlier. Now he consciously possessed it. Go back to when you first got saved. and Look at all the things that God has allowed you to possess spiritually. Start counting them up. You're blessed. I'm blessed. Caleb enjoyed the satisfaction of spiritual peace. Then the land had rest from war. That is the ultimate evidence of a spiritual life. Peace. And that passes all understanding. I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with my brother and sister. That peace can only come from knowing the Prince of Peace. God's still looking for the human vessel, for the man or the woman that's wholly surrendered to Him. Will you face Joshua and Caleb's challenge this morning and decide and make up your mind and your heart that I will wholly follow the Lord my God. Your life depends on it. Your children depend on it. Your grandchildren are going to depend upon it. And ultimately, I think we've discovered our nation depends upon it. Amen. Let's stand if you're able.